Welcome to the Deep Sea. Today, I chat with Kara, a fellow cancer mom who is so easy to talk to about this life we're all living down here in the dark part of the ocean. Nothing is edited or held back with Kara. We talk freely about tough subjects you just can't really bring up at dinner parties, like leukemia, like 47 days in the ICU, and what it feels like to completely lose your identity. You know, the normal stuff. Normal, of course, if you're one of us, which you are. So grab a coffee or something else, and let's dive deep with your new best friend, Kara. My name is Sam Taylor. I'm the parent to a childhood cancer survivor and the host of the Deep Sea Podcast, where we come together to talk to parents, caregivers, friends, and professionals who have been affected by childhood cancer. Hearing your child has been diagnosed can feel a lot like being ripped from life on land to suddenly being submerged deep into the ocean. It's disorienting, it's scary, and sometimes it's really hard to breathe. This podcast is for all of us who have supported a child through their diagnosis. It's where we'll come together to share the skills and coping strategies that have made it a little easier for us to breathe down here. But it's also a place for us to connect, to feel heard, to find support, and to swim each other to shore. So let's dive deep. I remember shortly after my daughter was diagnosed, I was sitting in the backyard with some friends and they were talking about things like summer plans and booking the kids for camps. And I was looking at them like I couldn't understand the language they were speaking. It's like, how are you making plans right now? I'm living in like this second to second, minute to minute place where I don't know my future. I don't know what we're doing. And it felt really isolating and it felt lonely and it felt scary. And I worried that I would never know how to connect with my friends again or that I'd ever be able to speak that same language again. And then I remember how it felt when I started to meet other oncology parents, how we just had this instant connection. It's like you can be total strangers with someone and find two seconds later that you're standing by an ice machine in a hospital kitchen sharing your most intimate and vulnerable fears and details about your child's treatment. So when I met Kara, I felt this connection instantly. We were really fast friends and we were able to really dive deep into our fears and our darkness and the stuff that we would never admit to people who aren't also in this world. When Kara's daughter, Molly, was two, she was diagnosed with ALL. But due to adrenal complications, she arrested, and she was put on life support for 47 days in the ICU. Most friends and family would hear that, and they'd be speechless. And I get it. What on earth do you say to that? What can you say? It's just not something you really bring up at neighborhood barbecues or at school drop-off. But if you've been there, like we have, if you know those hospital rooms and you know those hallways, you can actually talk about it a lot. You can ask about the darkness and the fears because you know them too and you felt them too. And this is how we connect. This is how we save each other from drowning. So come hang with Kara and I today. Come feel like you are sitting in the same backyard with friends who speak the same language, who have been to the same places, and who connect with you in an instant, will make you feel seen and accepted and loved the way old friends do. So let's dive deep with Kara. I think every kid with cancer, I took that from that, is a kid that is so beyond their years. Yeah. You know, I always said Molly was like, two going on like 102 this little old lady she was just so Do you cute think, what does she, does she remember what does she remember everything really yeah so and she was so funny we're like old. she's not gonna remember anything she remembers it all okay. good and bad so let's go there mm-hmm. all right 
So diagnosis at two years old. Yeah. You're a nurse. I am. You saw a lot of the signs. Mm-hmm. But hadn't fully pieced it together. Did all the typical mom things. Went to the doctor. She was fine. You know, it's, everything's okay. This is just her. But in the back of my mind, you know, as soon as that diagnosis check, I was like, oh, I just, I knew. I just knew. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to explain it. it when just, did the I knew. A, a diagnosis actually happen? Like, tell me a little bit about that conversation. Yeah. Where so you she were. was getting, had been, you know, more tired. I had a newborn at home. So it wasn't until um, Molly was just over two and I had a three month old. And it was one day at my daycare, Marlene. Oh, loved her. Oh, she's so amazing. And she called me and said, you know, what do you want me to do with this rash? Molly didn't have a rash when I sent her that morning. I knew right away. So send me a picture. She did. And it was little purple red dots, which I know is petechiae. I know that from where I work. And uh, we went, picked her up, off to the hospital. So what's happening in your head at the time? What's happening in your gut? Full panic. So my best friend was over. um, And I looked at her and was like... This is leukemia. Because she, she also are nuts. She was also fatigued and bruising fatigued leading up to this. And bruising. Okay. And then my mom was like, oh, she kind of looks pale. But we, two days before that, were at Center Island. Wow. On rides. Like, that's how quickly your life changes, right? So, like, normal family fine to boom, cancer. You're driving to pick Molly up <clears throat> at daycare. Yeah. Peter picked her up, brought her home to me. I'm packing up the baby, knowing we're in for. I just knew. I just had a sinking feeling. Did Peter? No. I told him, I think there's something, this is not good. I need you to pick her up. He's like, okay. So we did. And when we went, I said to the doctor, do you think this could be leukemia? And he said, no, no. You know, I've been doing this a really long time and I've never had a leukemia. Diagnosis. It's usually always viral. And I said to him, I, like, I really just, I think this is leukemia. And he said, I, I can appreciate that, but you know, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, the hours ticked by, right? And she had, they had drawn her blood work. And I'm like, what is going on? I've got a newborn who's crying. I'm trying to feed her. Molly's hungry. This You're not admitted. Later, You're just waiting in a room. Waiting in a merge. And we were in a separate room. And when he came in, I knew immediately because he couldn't look at me. And he just looked at her and just looked at the floor. And I knew. He's and just I, like a random ER doctor? Yeah. And he just looked at me and I said, it's cancer. And he goes it's cancer. I can't give you a diagnosis, but it's cancer. And I dropped to the floor. I just dropped to the floor. I just, I wasn't surprised, but I was, it's like my world shattered in that moment. It did. It did. It totally did. Same with my husband. Like we were just. Was Molly in the room? Molly and Maisie were there. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Mm-hmm. This is a lot all at once. Yeah. You have your two babies in the room together. Yes. You're mm-hmm. in an emergency room. Yeah. This is a sudden fracture. Mm-hmm. This was a fast diagnosis. Quick. Yeah. Can you pretend that you are now, Kara, looking at that scene mm-hmm. and describe it? You know what? It was just... <sighs> I remember the two kids, well, they were both screaming because they were hungry. Molly wasn't well. And it's like that frantic, you want to get out of there. It's crazy. And then it's like time stopped. Right. Everything stopped. All the sound disappeared. And the world just stopped dead in its tracks right there. And it was, you know, there was like it's slow motion. And all of a sudden the doctor said, you know, you need to get to sick kids like now. And I was like, okay, well. I have two kids. You're kind of like like in shock. And I'm like, I need to go home. He said, okay, well, can you go home and quickly get to sick kids? Or I can call an ambulance. She's well enough for you to go home. I said, no, we're going to go home and pack you a bag. You drove and home. So we drove back. Did you call people? Yes, we did. So when we took Molly into Emerge, I had said to my sister and my parents, um, I don't know if we called Peter, probably Peter's family too. We called our direct family and said, I think, you know, something really bad is going on. I think it could be cancer. So they were all waiting. This is now like 1130 at night. And I called them and I, 
I said, my parents, I remember my parents were both on the phone and I just burst out crying. I said, it's cancer. She said, cancer. My dad, I just remember him just screaming, no, not her on the phone. Like it was just horrible. Oh, and, then, and then you feel even worse because other people are grieving and you're trying to grieve and just like, it was just chaos, right? Just like a hot mess. I'm like, oh. So we went home and my brother-in-law was staying with the dog. So he was staying because your life keeps going. Yeah. Right? Like the world keeps going, but yours just stopped. And that's the the strange and hard part about this is that somehow you have to figure it out. You want to, you're you know? at the grocery store and this is happening in your life. And yeah. I'm not, you know, I just mean in, in like a, in for an example, you are, you are at the produce place yeah. and someone's beside you, you know, feeling an avocado to see if it's ripe or not. And yeah. in your head, you're screaming, can't you all see what I'm going through right yeah. now? But no one does because no. it's such an internal mm-hmm. explosion of grief, right? Yeah. And yeah. no one can see it on the outside. Right. And so for you in that, in those hours, just post these words coming out of a doctor's mouth, yeah, you are learning this you are learning how to live in this fracture. You, your mm-hmm. life before the word cancer and Molly's name in the same sentence mm-hmm. is gone. Gone. That life is over. Yeah. And in an instant, you have to morph into a different person. Yeah. Who now has to carry this nightmare, this life that yeah. you want nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. Right. So you went to sick kids immediately. We did. So we went home, changed, and off we went. And it's funny when we're at home, Peter and I, the kids were fast asleep. And we said to my brother-in-law, can you just go out, keep an eye on them? We're just going to pack. We don't want to wake them up and stuff. And we went inside together and we just looked at each other and we just hugged and we just cried. We let ourselves cry for Mm -hmm. five minutes. And then we just said, okay, like we got to go. So we packed our bags really quick with absolutely no clue what was ahead, but just enough that what we needed, off we went and got to sick kids. And we were south of Tobacco, so we're not far, and it's late at night. And she got sick in the car. No. Like she just started to get really sweaty and not well. And I was like, Peter, you're going to have, like, something's wrong. You got to go. And he gunned it, and I was that mom. You know, we pulled up and carried her, and I'm screaming in Emerge. And all these doctors, and they knew who she was. They're like, is this Molly? And I was like, oh, oh God. we are so up shit creek if they are yeah. already expecting her. And that was the beginning of it. That was the beginning of our Everest. That was the beginning of our... <laughs> The beginning of our Everest. Yeah. That's a great that was way. day one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Were you admitted? Immediately. Yeah. I did not. We went home two weeks later. It was supposed to be all outpatient and we made it home for less than 12 hours and then we never left until six months later. So just tell us about what happened, why you didn't leave. So she was diagnosed with uh, acute leukemia, ALL. And it was the good leukemia, right? I say that because the I weirdest guess it was words good. come out of your mouth. Like, you're like okay, good. there's a good one, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then they found she wasn't growing, so they did an MRI and she had an eye problem, which was totally random. And they found that she had hypopituitarism, which is her adrenals did not work which interfered with her leukemia because she had nothing to battle infection and she didn't grow and her thyroid was off and all this. So it just complicated things. And they said it was like she was hit by lightning twice. So fine. Okay. That was something else to digest. And she did. She developed eight different infections and she arrested on the floor. She wasn't able to breathe and she was put on life support and we were there in ICU for 47 days. Yeah. And they were the longest days, long, long, long days. I mean, 47 days in the ICU, you have a three-month-old at home, you work, you are in the medical profession. I worked across the street at Toronto General in the ICU. You across the street. Yeah. So you're in a 47-day waiting waiting room, essentially. Mm -hmm. You are waiting to see how the outcome, what the outcome is of this. Were there any coping strategies that you figured out that worked for you? Um, you know what? I think I got my strongest. I had cried a lot up to that point and was just like this melty marshmallow mom, which I'm not really that type of person. Yeah. But I just couldn't get it together. And then she got really sick. 
And someone like smacked me across the face and was like, get over it, knock out of it. Like, like put your big girl pants on. Yeah. And then I did. And it was like, that person died. Yes. And then this new person was born and that person will never exist again. And it's like all the like naivety of life and this and how beautiful life is gone. And it was like this strong person that I had never even known came up and was like, all right, this is my jam. I'm, I see you. I get what's going on here. And we need to, now we got to get serious. So was that instant? Like were you instantly that person? It was instant. Yeah. When she got that sick. Yeah. Did you kind of like the person that came out? I did. I did. I felt comfortable in the ICU because I've always worked there. So it was a comfortable space. It was not comfortable for my husband. The hospital was a comfortable space for me. I had my baby. I breastfed her. So she was with me all the time. So I had Molly and Maisie. I was so lucky. We never got separated. So I had both my kids there. I knew we were safest there. Um, And with ICU, the team was great. So they really involved me. Um, And there would be times where I'd say like, you know, I'm just the mom. I don't, you you know, you make that call or something, but she was really sick. Like they really prepared us that she wasn't going to pull through. So you had to mentally prepare for this to be. Yeah. I remember one night sitting outside writing her eulogy, starting to write her eulogy. Yeah. And then I think I got like three or four sentences. I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And I just, that was it. Why do you think you stopped? You know what? I just, I don't know. I got so angry that night. I remember telling my husband I hated him. I hated everything. It's like all of a sudden this, putting things on paper, I got pissed. I was pissed off. I liked that anger a little bit too. I'm not going to lie. That anger made things crystal clear. Absolutely. And in such chaos and when everything is so up in the air and you don't know who you are and and how to, you know, carry your child through this, mm-hmm. I found the anger to be a wonderful um, escape. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't yeah. normal anger. It's not like, no. you know, pissed off anger. Like, it's no, not annoyed not like anger or no. anything. It was just pure. Like, why the hell is this happening to me? to her. You question everything. I have the strongest faith. I questioned everything, everything I would never have questioned. I was just so mad. And it's now you look back and that is a normal part of the grieving process. You're grieving the life you had. You're grieving having a normal kid, what that is, what what you thought normal was. And then once I had all that anger out that night, I just... I just needed to release it all. Yeah. And my poor husband just took a good brunt of it. But then I started crying and he got it. He was like, okay. Yeah. Cause I'd been strong and this and everything's fine. We're gonna make through the and then it was it was so like I just need to let it I needed to be mad. I need to be really mad. It's I needed so people to be so liberating to right? be mad. I'm so yeah. glad you let yourself do that. Yeah. Because it's a release and it again that you get crystal yeah. clear. Yeah. And I feel like it's almost a compass and that anger takes you and it puts you in the direction that you yeah. need to go on. Yeah. Up your Mount Everest. Yeah. And now you are on mm-hmm. course. And yep. I I exactly. have to agree the exact same thing happened for us. And despite how many, you know, setbacks or parts of the upward journey that I hate the word journey. Oh, I said it. I didn't mean to say it. Oh my God. Why does everybody call it a journey? I don't know. I I can't believe I said journey. journey. Journey I'm really sorry. It's supposed to be fun. No. Like that's like a journey of like. I can't believe I said that. shark infested waters. I know. And just see how you do. Yeah. This is so fun. We were like, how is your journey? I was like, no, I'm not hopping into a van traveling the world. No, I can't believe I I did it. I have so many words, like not allowed words. I know. I know you're not allowed word. Oh, I know what that is. The F word. The F word. The F word. Fine. 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 And journey. Journey. How is your fine journey? What a fighter. Are we horrible cancer no, moms? I'm sorry. I feel like we're probably not alone. <laughs> I feel like we're just honest. I know. And, right? Well, I want us to be. Brave. Yeah, brave. Just so 
brave. I don't have a fucking choice. I have to be brave no right now. There's no me choice. A tick sheet for Plan no. B. Hi. No. So Plan A, your kids can have cancer, and that's gonna really suck. But yeah. you know, here's Plan B, and things could just go normal pathway. What did you no choose? Plan B. Who the hell's gonna pick A? The no journey. One. Yeah. The journey. Oh, I have journey. another one. Um, I can't imagine. No, I can't. No, I can't imagine. No. I don't want you to. I don't want you to imagine. No. Why would you try to? Yeah. Why would you try to imagine this? Yeah. And again, I know that a lot of these comments come from love. And it I don't totally they do, does. right? And yeah. how are we supposed to expect people in the yeah. world, in our community, to know how to react to this nightmare? No yeah. one, everyone's clumsy. Everyone is going to figure out yeah. how to support each other, you know, in their own kind of messy way. Yeah. At least people are trying, you know? Totally. Yes. But and it's so kind. And we honestly mean it, it with is. like nothing but gratitude for these people, uh, for absolutely. anybody. Because what are you supposed to say? I mean, mind you, one of my good friends did walk into the IC room and she just looked at me. She goes, well, well this sucks. Well, yeah. It's like, oh, yes, Thank it you. does. Thanks. Sit down. Thank you. I know. Pull up a chair. Oh, God. Isn't it so great to be seen that way, too, yeah. without someone trying to fix it and try don't to make it better? It. Please don't fix me. Please we, don't fix her. No. Because there's a whole... This is why everyone's like, oh... But she's going to be fine. No. She's going to be fine, right? And really what they're saying is, I need you to tell me that your kid's going to be fine because I don't really know how to react to this. Yeah, because I, I can't get handle it. this. I see you. I don't know how to react to this. I'm not expecting you to have a perfect reaction because guess what? I haven't figured it out yet. But like, don't try to tell me that it's going to be okay because you know what? I have a room full of white coats who I don't know, and my entire life is riding on their knowledge and expertise, and not one of those people have been able to say that everything's going to be fine. So don't say that to me. Don't say that to There's me. There's so many other things you can say, like, this is really hard. What can I do? How can I help? What do you need? How is she doing? Right? I also think asking those questions um, can sometimes be even even too much work. I found yeah. that the most supportive things that I was able to receive during my daughter's treatment was actually no words at all and just mm. action. Yeah. Like the action, the acts, the acts of kindness, kindness. acts of support, food. food. <laughs> food. Yeah. Don't ask me oh what I want. No. I don't know. Do you know what I want? Yeah. I want a healthy kid. I want so a healthy kid. Because that's what you're going to get. That's I right. want a healthy child. Yeah. So when you deliver meals for me because I can't make them at the hospital and I'm so tired, yeah. let me say it again, tired of Tim Hortons bagels. Yeah. And oh, yeah. right. Like it's great for a day. Yeah. You know, and someone brings you a salad or a lasagna or whatever it is. Without you asking. Have a they just oh. you show up and they have a lasagna or Amazing. salad. Amazing. It's actually a really, it's a wonderful yes. act of love. I it's could not agree so more. so appreciated. I say that to everybody. Yeah. Well, you can bring this. Yeah. Or like, yes, we love Tim Hortons. Who am I kidding? I love it all the time. But if you want to help people out, things like that. Yeah. Just do Don't it. Don't try to have words because there are no words. I assure anybody I have looked through that entire bloody dictionary of any sort of word that is going to help. There's none. None. But cure fixed forever. Yeah. Right. So that's not in our vocab. That's just not there. As a cancer parent, you know that that's not there. No one's ever going to tell you like they use cure after Molly was five years. They said she's technically cured. But until you can tell me that there will never be a chance of relapse. Like the comfort in uncertainty mm -hmm. has been a welcome mm -hmm. shift in my perspective. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I kind of enjoy the present a little bit more. Yeah. You have to. It sucks a lot right? too. Don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's exhausting for sure. Okay. Yeah. It's exhausting trying to be present and knowing mm -hmm. that we only have today and blah. It's hard. It's hard. I'm I not know. saying I'm like sitting on a mountaintop with my legs but crossed. you learn, yeah. right? You yeah. learn to kind of embrace those moments a little bit more knowing that, you know, unfortunately in this life now, like, I don't know what tomorrow's like Molly's healthy today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I think it took years for me to kind of let go of that fear where every day it was like I was waiting for the next shoe to drop. Do you know what I mean? And I was, things would get so good and like, oh gosh, here it comes. Life's good. And finally, 
it was like, you know what? I can't control what's going to happen. I can't, no matter what I do. That has shown me that. I have no control. I can do everything right. I can parent perfectly. I can do this, do that. And some, you know, shit's going to happen. So enjoy, enjoy the good times. Let them roll. That's what you have to do now, right? You've got to enjoy when things are good because life, I can tell you, is not made of unicorns and roses. (laughs) And, you know, that's not life. If anything, it taught me life. Bad things happen to good people. That's right. And that's life, right? I'm going to even go so far as to say bad things are going to happen to everybody. 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 The sooner we think it's just that person and it's only happening to them and it Mm -hmm. only happens to people like that. And yeah, I mean, we had two perfectly healthy children. Yeah. I juiced kale. I did everything you were supposed to do. I followed all of the, right? And you don't think it's going to happen to you? Of course not. It happens to other people. It's on TV. I felt like I was getting the Oscar for this incredible movie that I wanted to get the hell out of. I was like, okay, nobody asked me to star in this like really bad after school special that I am stuck in now for God knows how long. That's how I felt, right? Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I'm in a role that you know, I Kirk don't. Cameron was going to walk in. Like, it was just bad. I was like, this is terrible. I just want like, I want out. Like, can I tap out? This is awful. Can we go back to the 47 days in the ICU? Mm-hmm. And I want to connect sort of the rest of Molly's treatment with that time you said that happened about five years later where you were able to stop the fear. Because I think mm-hmm. what what we see here is your fear was so amplified with her in the ICU. Yes. I mean, you would have been living off of fear. It would have been your, in your, in your veins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that type of adrenaline must have done a real um, number Number. on your nervous system. Right. Yeah. So you come out of the ICU Mm -hmm. and Tell me a little bit about after that critical time, Mm -hmm. how she finished treatment. So we came out of ICU and it still took her about four and a half months to recoup. So she was totally atrophied her muscles because she was in a coma for so long. And she had to learn to walk and talk and eat. And she had a feeding tube for 16 months. That kid just, and she was addicted to morphine. Oh God. I'm a little drug addict. Yeah. Like, who knew I was going to have a two-year-old drug addict? Not only was she like taking Nabilone for nausea, which uh, is pot. Great. Okay. We'll have that conversation later. But now I have a little, you know, morphine addict who had like pump and would vomit millions of times trying to wean her off. It took a year. A year. Yeah. These are the One things. One year to these get are the her things, off this. Yeah. Like what a nightmare. Never saw that coming. So these are all the add-ons. And then, you know, cancer on top of that. Yeah. So it was a wild ride. We finally made it home. And I'm not kidding you. I was more stressed at home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I felt like I was at the hospital. So if anything bad is going to happen, we're here. All the people we need to have are here. And it's great. And it's perfect. And all of a sudden you're sent home and you're like, oh, my God. Like, where'd my parachute go? Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like I got kicked out of the plane. (laughs) Oh, parachute. Like, Mission Impossible. I don't know if I'm going to make it. So when you got sent home, what was her condition? So she was feeding tube, um, not walking or anything, but still getting treatment constantly. Healthy cancer kid, is that a term? Okay. So it's still still horribly sick, but not I'm on death's bed, which was an improvement. And then how long did that period of treatment go? Like another two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. So all in, you were three years? Almost three years. Mm-hmm. I remember when they told me that. When? They told you what? That it was going to be three years? They told me it was going to be three years, like, the day after we were in a merge. And I looked at them, and I kid you not, I looked at our oncologist. I was like, are you shitting me? I thought it would be, like, six weeks. Three years. Three years of treatment. Three years. If anybody, like, what do you do with that? Right. Um, I think you take a baby step at a time. Yeah. I mean, what else are you supposed to do yeah. with it? 
You can't swallow that entire pill. God, no. Three years? Three years of like a horrible roller coaster you can't get off of. Mm -hmm. Molly got through the three years. She did. We get to a place where she is slowly recovering. Yes. Yes. She started school during treatment. So she went to JK. Yeah. Uh, amazingly supportive teachers. That wasn't, that was a fun thing, you know. Integrating a child who's um, just been in the hospital for three yes, years. with all these snotty kids. Yeah. But great. I mean, it, people were amazing. So it's super supportive of that. Um, so when she started back at school. Yeah. You are now at home. And yeah. are, are you alone at home? Is Maisie home? So Maisie was home half time. So okay. she went to daycare. We wanted her to have some social Because her whole life, this hospital. poor kid has been raised in a hospital. Yeah. Right? Um, so she went to daycare part-time and then I was home and I was starting back to work one day a week. So let's talk about so. if you can remember sort of that window of time after treatment mm-hmm. yeah, when you're slowly coming back into a world. I'm not going to say back to yourself because no, that's that self's gone. gone. Yeah. So you're re-entering this place where people talk about soccer practice and mm-hmm. people talk about, you know, um, normal life stuff. And yeah. you haven't been speaking that language for three mm-hmm. years. You actually haven't been living on land for three years. Right. You've been on another planet. And so yeah, you're slowly, island. yeah. Yeah. You're slowly coming back into this world. Do you remember what that felt like? Like felt like in your bones what that felt like? I I had accepted at that point our normal was cancer. One of the hardest times for me was when she was better. When they said, okay, treatment's done. Because I didn't know what to do with that. Right? So I didn't I think that's when I fell apart because I had accepted our world was cancer and we were good at it. And I'd be honest, like I was an awesome cancer mom. Yeah. I nailed it. I had this. I was raising two kids and getting through this and we're doing this and getting it sorted, giving chemo at home, knew I had bags packed in case. And then all of a sudden they're like, yay, it's all done. (laughs) Look at you. And you're like, what? Like, look at who? Yeah. Look at who, like, like who hell? am I? And then yeah. it's like a bomb goes off and you look around, you're like, oh my God. My marriage, oh, my friends, myself. myself. The only thing I knew how to like understood was I'm a cancer mom. I'm a good one. That's it. I didn't know who Kara was. I didn't know who I was as a wife, friend. I don't know. Do you know All where that gets at the wayside, right? Like you just, you, you got one focus. Do you remember how you started to piece together a new version of yourself? Well, I thought I was doing quite well until my <laughs> it was my mom was like, "So how do you how do you think you're coping?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're redheads, like, yeah, we were not blessed with being able to not show our emotions. Oh yeah, and everyone was just like, "I think you need to get some help." And I was defensive. I was like, "How dare any of you place judgment on me?" Like you walk in, and I was mad. Yeah. Until I realized my fuse was about this big. And I probably, and it was one of my best friends who said, listen, I have a friend. She's a great therapist. I think you guys would get along if you wanted to. And I went to her and I remember walking into my first session, my first therapy. I'm like, oh my God. And she's like, so what brings you here today? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, I'm a mom of two and I'm really busy. And finally, 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, right. My daughter just finished her treatment for cancer. She's like, oh, wow. Let's start with that. Yeah, let's get and cozy. That was the beginning of a two-year cycle or okay. a two-year, I guess, unpacking all of that crazy baggage that we have just, I'd shoved you know, away because you have to, you can't, you yeah. won't have a choice. There's no, no dealing with anything like, yeah. I'm really you know? glad that you found an outlet. Therapy yeah. is a great one. It is. I kept a therapist throughout treatment. Yeah. And after treatment, I 
was so disoriented mm-hmm. and so uh, confused and did not know who I was. It was a really scary yeah, time. So I started to take medication and yeah. I'm still taking it yeah. because it was too, um, it was too hard to make sense of. And I yeah. needed that extra help. And I think it's important that parents know that things okay. like therapy and medication yeah. and any type of support that you can, yeah. that you can get your hands on that you must do it because you know what? All of our focus was in keeping our child healthy for yeah. the duration of their treatment at the expense of our health, which mm-hmm. no problem. You want my health? Take it. Anything oh. you want to make my child better. It's yours. Of course. Yeah. But at the same time, it still costs us what 100%. we need to live. Yeah. So you need to replenish it. And I yeah. don't think that's selfish. And I don't think that's sort of no. the that doesn't take away from the care and love that you're giving your child. It is actually making you a better parent. And so the after treatment of ourselves is key, I think, to integrating into the new person that we become after a treatment, which is something that I want to talk about with you because you have had a window of time now Mm post-treatment. It's still cancer. No one's yeah. saying that you don't live a life with cancer. Right. Still, you yeah. do. We mm-hmm. always will. Yeah. But, with but enough- not everybody understands that, right? Oh. Yeah. Like they think it's over. No. Well, thank God that's over. No. <laughs> okay. It's it's never it's never going to be over. And that's okay. And I don't try to explain that to anybody anymore. I kept feeling like I needed to, like, I got defensive. Like, oh. And then I'm like, you know what? No. Again, nobody's going to understand unless you have a kid with cancer and I don't want them to understand. So that's okay. I'm going to forgive everyone. Right. I had to give that forgiveness yeah, for, because it wasn't meant in the way that it was coming across. Sure. Right? But I get that anger. I it's get frustrating. that frustration. It's for of sure course. frustrating. Things don't just change, right? Like our life, we still have lots of appointments, you know, news flash. these kids don't come out perfect. Yeah. Like we're now dealing with like major PTSD and some learning challenges in school. And that's fun. Oh, and hormones. That's fun on top of it. Like this and is you never good times. Know if the if their behavior is a result of the cancer. And we'll never know. Or, or if it was just them. Or right? if it's just them. Yeah. And that is again a constant reminder yeah. that your child had cancer. Yes. And I think that yeah, a normal growing child, Yeah, you know, a typical growing child who goes through the stages, you can attribute their behavior mm-hmm. to, yeah, hormones, to whatever, yeah, growing pains. I don't yeah. know. But when you have the shadow of cancer, yes. that's always going to be part of the equation. Mm-hmm. And I think that the stress on a parent is enormous. And so again, mm-hmm. sure, our kids right now are both at school. They were both just at summer camp. Yeah. Amazing. That doesn't mean that I'm not still 100% of the time thinking about it, wondering mm-hmm. if there's a relapse, wondering what that little bruise is, what that little bump is. Yes. And we have a reason to think those things. Yeah. But we find a way to integrate that and live with that yes. part of us. Right. It's like a, a, just a bag that we have to carry. Yep. I guess what I, I like to think about are some of the ways that we changed during mm-hmm. our child's treatment yeah. that we're kind of okay with. And again, let me rephrase. Let me remind you, none of this is a... Silver lining. Silver lining. Yeah. For the journey. Oh, the journey. <laughs> the journey. The journey. <laughs> you know, I'm going to write a book and call it The Journey. If, oh God, The Journey. <laughs> the Journey. Yes. Just things that we... You know what? What It's what cancer... It's a, it's what we are, who we are now. Yeah. It's who like we are how now. It, that person before, yeah, there's, there's memories and sometimes there's things I see that I remember. Oh, there she is. There's the old man. I can see her in there, but I'm okay with this person now. Yes. I have more gray hair. Yes. So there's... describe this person to me now compared to who you were before. I think I was more of a, I wanted to please everybody and like help and just, you know, now I'm just, this is my priority. 
You know, you can take me the way that I am. I am not changing for anyone, you know, and I am totally willing to help. I like people at just give me your honest truth. Yeah. I do not like any kind of sugarcoating in anything. And I've just kind of toughened up. The soft me's still in there, but it takes a little bit more to get to know that part. Yeah. Right. I think that's just what we do. We have a little extra layer of armor that we've learned or that we've gained since. Um, Do you find that you are um, a lot more, your, your rope is a lot longer with the, with your girls? Do you, do you, do you hold them in close or do you kind of let them, let them explore? And the reason I ask is because I used to be a protective yeah. parent because I was scared of them running out into the middle of the street or, you know, all the little Mm. things that we always think those irrational fears. But now that the scariest thing in the world has happened, I'm not scared of it anymore. And so I've sort of given her a longer rope and it's, I'm glad about it because I think so many kids right now are really helicoptered and really kept in because parents are so scared of all of the millions of things there Mm -hmm. are to be. But I'm really pushing against that and letting her go because what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. It already did. Yeah. That is something that I've taken with me yeah. that I'm I'm like, okay, I like this. I like yeah. that I'm not at home freaking out that she's doing something that I normally yeah. would have been really protective over. Yeah. And I'll take it, you know, yeah. I'll take yeah. that in my parenting. And yeah, I think that this armor that we develop through our child's treatment can serve us Mm -hmm. in ways as we move farther and farther away from their treatment. Not in a way that um, is to, you know, not as a barrier, that armor's not a barrier. I'm still vulnerable. I still Mm -hmm. have feelings. I still want to connect. Actually, I want to connect deeper. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The armor's just there to kind of, yeah, like you said, it toughened us up. Toughens us up, right? And I'm still a total mama bear. Like, mm-hmm. is it hard for you to let her go? You know what? I love seeing her the young lady she is. Mm. And I want her to have all those normal normal experiences. So I'm good with that. My youngest one, I find, I have a lot of guilt. That's probably one thing I haven't been able to let go of is... I feel badly that she, you know, like she has such attachment issues and it just sucks being sibling of a kid with cancer and they're so forgotten, Yeah, you know, and I struggle with her and I think I'm more lenient with her. She's more like me, but Molly's very chill and cool. Like her dad and Maisie was definitely, she's fiery and (laughs) she's going to give me a run for my money, but I, I, yeah, I'm a bit. You're keeping them in close. I keep them in close and I trying to let go. I'm still, I know that feeling of which when I almost lost her and I, that's not something I ever want to do again or feel again. The way I look at it is these right now are the days that we used to pray for and beg for. I totally agree. You know? Yeah. And that's not lost on me. Yeah. So I try so hard when I am at in a dark place or when I'm feeling that protective and that I'm scared to let anyone go yeah. and I'm scared just, just to wake up in the morning and carry my cancer bag with yeah. me. I do have to say, Sam, remember when you used to beg? Yeah in a bawling tears on your knees beg yeah for this lunch yeah. that you're making right now to send them off to school yeah. you used to beg to sit and watch them at a swim meet yeah that is not lost on me as well yeah and yeah. again i don't mean to sound like some you know well they lost so much opportunity right yeah. like the world cancer stole so much from them we don't want to be the parents that take away more. So can you hop on that horse and go riding? Yep. If you fall off, that's going to suck, but it's not cancer. Can it's you not go cancer. to do this? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. We have to, we have to, they've earned the right 
to be normal. Exactly. What would you tell yourself? What would you tell the Kara who was in the room when the doctor came in and confirmed mm-hmm. it was leukemia? The Kara who sat bedside for 47 days when your child was in a coma. Like yeah, what, are, what are you telling her? You know what I would say to her, you did a damn good job. That's it. Nobody wants to know. I'm not one of those people that ever want to know my future. Do you know what I mean? People mm-hmm. are like, if you could know, I'd be like, no, you're going to be okay. That's it. Because I have trust in myself. I've proven to myself that I'm a damn strong person and yeah. a really freaking good mom. Yeah. I really am. Ugh. And we got through it. We got through it. And it sucks. And do I want to do it again? No, I don't. But if that damn thing comes again, like you got one hell of an army to go up against. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like yeah. that's how I feel now. Like I feel like I have the power. I have an amazing medical team. I've got a kid that's so loved and supported. You know what? Like it might happen. It might not. But if it does, like the storm it's got going against, it's, it's you know, not to be doubted. No. Buckle up. And buckle up. You know, we, I really did learn. I had more in me at the point where I had nothing left to give. And then all of a sudden you find that where you're like, oh no, I've got this much more. You know, I always think of this lioness where she's protective of her cubs. Like that's that's how I've always felt. Mm-hmm. And I may not, you know, cancer is so non-prejudiced. When it comes for you, it comes, doesn't matter your age or your race or your sexuality or it, none, it does not care. No. It comes for you, right? And if it ever comes again, okay. I I I know this. This is something I know. We know we're familiar with, right? And it's not easy. But I feel kind of empowered that like, here I am, like here I am with you. We're talking about this horrific time trying to help parents. Like I didn't think I'd be here one day. That's right. It was a hot mess after like, let's be honest. It was awful. It's a disaster. I now feel like I always said it was like a nuclear bomb that hit our family. And I feel like we're at the rebuilding state. Oh, which good. is kind of exciting, right? Because yeah. you get to rebuild and and you kind of can figure out what you like and what you don't like. Like maybe there's parts of myself I didn't like, so I'm letting that go. And there's parts that, like you said, things that I'm like, oh, kind of like that a little bitchier side or the side where I didn't I don't care as much or, you know, or I don't need to have as many friends. Oh yeah. Right? Because there's a thing you learn along the way. Like quality over yeah. quantity. Absolutely you right? do. Yeah. It's a rebuilding phase of it. Rebuilding your relationships, rebuilding your marriage. We moved from Toronto to Burlington, which was huge because I couldn't do that. I needed to be close to sick kids. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm okay to do that. Yeah. Right? So I feel like I'm at the rebuilding stage and it's it's a great feeling. It's it's a nice feeling. Yeah, exciting. It is a great feeling because yeah. you're right. Now you can build a life. You can build your structure yeah. with so much intention. Yeah. With the bricks that you know right. you fought for. The bricks yeah. that you know are the strongest bricks yeah. you can possibly build yeah. a foundation with. You have those bricks. Yeah. And it feels pretty great to stand on them. It does. And know that no matter what comes, nothing is going to break this foundation. Yeah. Nothing's going to blow this house down. No. And how amazing is it? I was cuddling with Molly last night, and I still love that my kids want to snuggle every night Me before too. bed. I yeah. just take that and just love it. Some nights I just want them to go to bed, but it's okay. Last night I was like, okay. And I was looking at her and I'm thinking, I hope one day you know just how incredible you are. And I feel the exact same about my youngest. If I did not have Maisie, I would not be the same person. She pulled me out of the darkest moments where I didn't want to keep going. Mm -hmm. That if Molly went, I wanted to go with her. And that is a total normal feeling to have. Absolutely normal. But it's a dark feeling and it's a scary place to be. That little tiny baby would cry and remind me, no, like 
that's not an option. So I'm so grateful for my kids and everything they've done. And I just, you know, if everyone talks about legacy, like mm-hmm. what's your legacy? Yeah. And they want these big moments or these big things. My legacy are my two kids to be awesome, amazing humans and to not only are you going to make something of themselves, but they are going to dominate this world. Like I, I know it because they just will. Well, I've met their mom. Yes. So chances are that will happen. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, Kara. I felt like we could talk for probably another five hours at least. Actually, when our interview was done and we packed everything up and we were getting ready to go, Kara and I stood there like with our bags and our coats on and we just kept talking and talking. I think we were there for at least like another hour or two, just couldn't stop connecting and we couldn't stop sharing stories. Kind of felt like we had been in a foreign country for a long time and then we finally found someone else who spoke our same language and you just kind of cling to that person And you can't wait to tell them everything that you've seen and all the stuff that you learned. So that's how it felt with Kara. And it actually feels like that with every oncology parent that I meet. The whole reason for this podcast is so that you can have that feeling too. That's all I want. That's all I want is for us to find each other so we can all talk about the same stuff. There's just no way we can freely chat about neutrophils or radiation burns with anyone who also doesn't know this language. I'm so glad you found the podcast and I can't wait to keep connecting and growing our community. Thank you so much for your time and for your energy, Kara. I adore you and I can't wait for next time. A huge thanks to Ian Blackwood for his beautiful moving song, Carry Me to Water. Thank you to my dear friend, Kate Mitzi for the logo design to the deep sea community for the massive love and support. And most of all, to my little girl who taught me that the deeper you dive into the darkness of the ocean, the more buried treasure you will find until next time. That's where you'll find me.